Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. In person this time. Yeah, right here next to me. He didn't bring his microphone, so we're awful close face to face. It's pretty kind of cute. <laughs> and uh, my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. It's kind of a crowded studio today. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious that this is ever called a studio, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's a bonus room with a little card table set up behind the couch. Yeah, and uh, a treadmill that's never been used in my parents' bonus room. Um, so, obviously this week, another disappointing loss. We had our opportunities, we had our chances, and the Browns did what the Browns always do, and we uh, fumbled them away, or we uh, offsidesed them away. Um, what do you think of the game, Matthew? Is that a verb? That is a verb. I just made it one. I mean, this is this game was just Browns. Like, and it wasn't even sad. It was just funny um, at this point because we the Chicago Bears aren't a significantly better football team than we are. Their offensive playmakers aren't good. Um, we're more skilled and in that regard, and yet they just thoroughly beat us. And we had those two plays that could have gone a different way, like Higgins fumbled um, in the fourth quarter right on the goal line after fighting through a bunch of tackles. And then obviously the Miles Garrett pick six, which everybody and their mother could see that Carl Nassib was lined up offside from before the play started. So like that didn't even hurt when it got called back because I knew it was <laughs> coming back from the very start. If, I mean, the only thing worse was the Jabril Peppers on fourth and one offsides where he was like literally past the center's head. His entire body was offside, so it wasn't just yeah, he wasn't even close. He wasn't <laughs> even close. Um, the The yard line was like the four – the line of scrimmage was at the 14-yard line, and I think he thought that it was like the 15. He was using the actual physical line on the field as his, like, delineator for where he needed to line up. Um, and, it, like, that's – I don't even know who to blame for, for those situations. I know Miles Garrett was really gracious about it, and – um, told Carl Nassib that it wasn't his fault and like but, it's which fine. Is, he's that's super nice, but if it's we're being wrong. honest, it's absolutely Carl. If you're listening, it's absolutely your fault. <laughs> like, like you're a grown man and you need to know that. Like Miles can't protect you forever. But how unlucky is it? Like we talked about this during the game. How unlucky is it that that was we didn't have a lot of penalties called in that game. That was the first offside penalty that was called on us that yeah. whole game. The first time we've lined up offsides. Of 60-something plays yeah. that the Bears run, that was the that one. That was the one that yeah. gets called back, and it's the only one that we made a just amazing play that would have turned the tide of the game. And the most frustrating thing about it is is that Carl being offsides in no way influenced the run of the play. Like, Carl got blocked to the outside, didn't come even close to putting pressure on the quarterback. He was completely run out of the play by the right tackle. And yet, still, we were technically offsides. By a small amount, and play comes back, and then we didn't we didn't score a touchdown. That would have been our only touchdown in the game. Would have been nice. Well, let's just say it's really hard to go zero in sixteen. You got to get a few breaks and really go offsides on just the right plays in order to get there. And the Browns are making it possible this year. They're they're doing their best. It's like that uh, that video, the Factory of Sadness. It's just so true. It's my favorite line from the whole thing. It's statistically harder to be this consistently bad, then occasionally accidentally be good. Like, that's like, we haven't even accidentally been good. We've been this consistently bad. It's shameful. It's shameful. Like, because of plays like um, the Ricardo Lewis, 
Oh man, that, that play right there is a the play. the Higgins play, or, the fumble. Sorry, I, mean? I keep saying Ricardo's. Yeah, the Higgins fumble. Um, that play is a microcosm of the entire Brown season and maybe the entire Browns organization. Try so hard, <laughs> try so hard. The play and just fail every time. The play was marvelous because it just set us set everyone up for like excitement. You know, he gets the he gets the catch out in the flat, falls down, nobody touches him. He gets up, he's hustling, he's making a couple guys miss. He's ducking here, ducking there, struggling. Oh, he might get to the end zone and he's reaching Nope. Oh. So it was by far the strongest reaction from all three of us and our dad. We were all watching together. Um, while like my kids were napping, so we were trying to be quiet during the game. But we couldn't contain our laughter during that particular play. We erupted laughing, and my wife was sleeping on the other side of the couch, and she woke up because we were laughing so hard. We, <laughs> it wasn't even anger. It was just, yep, that's about right. That's yeah. exactly how we expected this to end. Can't even be mad at this point in the season. It's like, I mean, if I really, really had to say, I really don't want to win. Like, I, I guess I do want to win these last couple Why? games, but... But, like, I don't want to, like, if we won both of those games and then had the second overall pick, like, I wouldn't have wanted that. I want to win next week. I want to beat the Steelers. I want to screw them over. But if we won our next two games and then the Giants get the first overall pick, I'd be pissed. Like, to lose all this and then not get the number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious we've had the number one pick for a few weeks. So, um, that's definitely in the bag. We can celebrate that, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! There are There are positives, people. We've accomplished something in this season. So, Michael, we talked about this. Um, what do you think about the news report that Hugh Jackson will consider hiring an offensive coordinator this offseason? So, to be clear, we're not talking anymore about this football game from this week. We are <laughs> officially moving on at this point. Yes. Thus end the football segment. <laughs> um, Hugh Jackson hiring an offensive coordinator. I am quite certain that he plugged this with his media friends, um, i.e. Michael Silver, because there was reports just the day before that he had lost the team. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that was the media narrative against Hugh Jackson at the time. And then, um, not so coincidentally, the next day, surf, um, media reports surfaced that he is looking to hire an offensive coordinator. And depending on that coordinator's uh, experience in the league, would he would be willing to hand over play-calling duties. Which That pisses me off. Like... It just seems all too convenient of a timing. Like, everybody has known this, but then, like, the official sources are finally saying that he's comfortable with it the day after uh, the media is painting him in a negative light. I, all too convenient, in my opinion. Which is, like, fine. It's fine to, like, uh, people are reporting negatively on you. You say something that's going to, like, make people happy again. But, like... But, like, the thing is, it pisses me off. He's like, well, maybe I'll let them call the plays if they have enough, like, experience in the league. Like, no, you're hiring this person, and you need someone to call the plays because you're clearly not doing it a good enough job. So you better hire someone who you feel comfortable calling the plays. Like, I'll be pissed if he hires someone that's, like, a entry-level, like, young gun who, in his own words, don't, doesn't have enough experience to call plays. Um, that would piss me off. Man, imagine working for Hugh Jackson, like seeing what what he's done to Kaiser and and um, how he handles himself uh, with the media and how he blames everybody else. Like imagine working for him, like being an offensive coordinator for Hugh and being yeah. treated like you're Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, and just like like, yeah. like scolded like yeah. a bad stepchild. Yeah. Like 
every time something goes wrong and it's always your fault and it's never his fault, regardless of if it's his fault or not. Yeah. The four verticals offense isn't working and he blames the rookie quarterback. Yeah, I would like that and there's the thing. Like I I think people see that and I don't wanna come work for that. And I don't blame anyone who would refuse to come here because of that. And yeah. I I think that's where some of the stuff with some of the quarterbacks coming out in this draft um are reported as being skeptical about coming out because they might get drafted by the Browns. Speaking so that, this is an interesting conversation. So let's just assume that Jimmy Haslam is going to stay true to his word and keep Hugh Jackson as the coach, which I think is a huge, a huge assumption. assumption. Like I think I know I definitely hope that he gets canned and that we go in a different direction. Yeah. Um but and Jimmy's been known to change his mind and waver on things. Correct. If he keeps him. Yeah. What would you say the coaching, the staff priorities are? I would say offensive coordinator is a key one, but I almost think special teams coordinate a new special teams coordinator is more important than fire and hiring an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Our special teams has been awful this year. Like they Our, have to do something else on special teams. Like coverage has been bad every at, up and down. Special teams has been that, miserable. We had that one Matthew Day's kick return that went to like the forty-five. And over the whole year, that's the longest I think we had one. Yeah, we have we haven't even been close yeah. to returning a kick at any point this season. And I mean, honestly, I I've said this, I've gone on record on the pod saying that I like the attitude he brings to the defense, but part of the reason why I want Hugh Jackson to be fired is because it would mean that Greg Williams would be gone and we'd stop giving up all these plays and we'd actually maybe put an offense, a defense on the field that could uh, get other teams to get off the field. Because right now we're just giving up time of possession because of the defense that we're running and allowing other teams to convert first down after first down after first down. Now I do understand that, our defense was miserable last year so and in overall ranking we have done better but i do not think that he has put us in a position to have a championship caliber defense that is going to bring us to the level that we need to be sustaining over time like it has become an adequate defense and i'm worried about the ceiling because he hasn't proven to me that he can make good calls over the course of this year i they, i haven't seen them getting better in that front yeah, it's become an adequate defense, but I'm starting to believe that it's not about Greg Williams' scheme or what he's doing, but it's about the people that Sashi put in place to play on this defense. Like, our our run defense is not that much better. We have all those pieces. Like, Greg Williams' scheme is good, but we're not that much better just because of Greg Williams. We're that much better because of the people who we have on our defense that are that much better this year than they were last year. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. What do you think, Matthew? Like, Coley and, like, his rush defense numbers and that sack that he had today, like, he's playing immaculately. Our D tackles are so much better than they were. Like, to have Emmanuel Ogba be out there but also have Miles Garrett be on the other side, like, on rush defense, like, these are all people. Like, Ogba was by himself last year with Danny Shelton, who was, well, he was playing hurt, wasn't hurt, or was hurt last year. So, like, it's the people that we have on the field that are making us that much better. And I think part of it is Greg Williams, but I think that we would still be so much better this year than we were last year, even if... I think we would be improved. I think we run blitz a lot, which is a Greg Williams like yeah. trait, then, which helps us on the run, run defense. defense. I mean, you see Derek Kindred making all those tackles in the backfield, um, and most of those come off playing up near the line of scrimmage and coming on a run blitz, trying to disrupt yep. that. So um, I think we would have been improved. I, I do think that... 
um, he is having an effect. I'm worried that if we clean house this offseason, which I am in favor of, then it's going to be a tough year to try to hire coaches. Um, oh. Report today that Arians is going to be Arians is going to leave uh, Arizona. Arizona, which that's going to be uh, an opening. Um, reports that Vance Joseph might be out in Denver after just one season. That'll be an opening that we'll have to compete with. Um, Jay Gruden might go to Cincinnati, which would open up Washington. There's just a lot going on. No, Hugh's going to Cincinnati. What are you talking about? I know. I would love that. We're trading Hugh for a second-round pick to Cincinnati. Can't wait (laughs) for it. (laughs) So I read a story about – I think it was on Cleveland.com, actually. I saw it, too. About all of the different coaching trades. Coaches get traded for a crap ton. Jay Gruden was like two first-round picks. John Gruden. Yeah. Yeah, John Gruden. That's what I meant. No. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, granted, Jackson's not worth. No, 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 he's not. But like, we were talking about like, give us a sixth, like a third round pick would be a steal, like in the market of Of like trading coaches. It's ridiculous. Huh. I've never. Like, imagine if you actually got a third round pick for Hugh Jackson. I would be elated. My goodness. And then I would love for John Dorsey to be able to hire who he wants to do. Like, that's like a fair shake. If you hire a new GM, he should be allowed. Like that's what the general manager does: is they make the staffing decisions. Could hire should, one of those two guys from Kansas City to make that decision. I, I, I kind of like the idea of that special teams coach from Kansas City, who's been around forever, and apparently everybody thinks so, really highly of. I've heard that too, but like because it's I, like he's gonna come in and be a head coach. Like yeah. he can run the special teams, but he's gonna hire an offensive coordinator. He's gonna hire a defensive coordinator, and like that's true. Work on a staff and let them do their job. It's the it's the Dabo Sweeney model. Dabo Sweeney was a special teams guy. Uh, same thing, uh, John Harbaugh or John Harbaugh. I always get them confused. Mm-hmm. John Harbaugh in Baltimore was special teams yeah. coordinator. And like, like Mike Tomlin was like a secondary coach when he got hired by the Steelers. Yeah, some of the best head coaches like, are guys that are just good leaders and putting yeah. people and know how to put the right people in place. Um, unlike Hugh Jackson, who wants to wear five different hats at once and try to do everything and be everything to everybody. And if it doesn't go right, he just blames everybody else. All right, what are the odds that um, Hugh Jackson actually jumps in Lake Erie, like he promised oh, before the season started? Zero percent. What are the odds that Hugh Jackson does anything he says he's going to do? <laughs> like, zero percent. I, I would be so happy, and I would actually be on board for keeping him. I would be on board for keeping him for next year if he jumped in the lake and made a big spectacle out of it and said, you know what, I was wrong, <laughs> um, and I'm going to jump in this freezing lake right now because this team is trash, and I let him here. Like, just have some humility and, and say that. I would be all for it. Um, I, that, that is one thing that I was cheering for this week. I was like, at least I'm going to get to see Hugh Jackson be cold, maybe. Or, or one game closer to a parade. So, um, if we go 0-16, we're going to have the number one overall pick. We already um, have it locked up. Yep, true. And we're also probably going to have at least a top five pick. Worst case scenario, the Texans give us the number six overall pick. Um Michael's rewatching the game right now where we're watching the uh Oh fumble oh, into the end zone. Rashard Higgins. Higgins. Man. Oh, Bears got it again. So he yep. makes the tackle on that play too, which is <laughs> impressive. Like credit to him. He gets up and he busts his butt to go make the tackle. So much hustle. Higgins. Ugh. Okay, so we that was right before we go into the fourth quarter. We're down three to twenty, right? At this point, yeah, it would be ten to twenty if we get in the end zone. It's there. a game at that and point. It's a game. We just have to score ten points in in the fourth quarter to to tie it up. 
Which is doable. Which is ridiculously doable. Oh, also, that like 14-point swing of the Miles Garrett interception because they oh, went yeah. down and drove. All right. All, we said we weren't going to talk about this game anymore. Sorry. No. So Sorry the, one, the one part about the game that I do want to talk about is how we were just rooting for recovered fumbles the whole game <laughs> so, so that I would have to shave my legs on the pod. Yeah, it was honestly pretty – thankfully didn't happen. No, Matthew, it was pretty weird how you were really gunning for your legs to be shaved. You're like, did that count as a fumble? I was like, uh, <laughs> Matthew. Not, not, not exactly my recollection of, of the uh, pretty strange, events. pretty strange, Matthew. Just doing it for the sponsors. Yep, yep, just doing it for the Barbasol. Um, Barbasol, the brand you trust for shaving cream now has razors. You're looking good, America. Be sure to go out and get your Barbasol razors and use your Barbasol shaving cream. Um, if you're shaving your legs, I suggest that you use their new Barbasol razors. Matthew wanted to do it, and you should too. And if you're uh, and if you're a female, you can use Barbasol, but you you can use Pure Silk too. That's that's a sister brand of, of Barbasol. Oh, that, there we go. That's uh, approved by the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. That is way more feminine. Pure Silk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Matthew, we should have used that to shave that, your legs. That probably would have been the the <laughs> optimal choice. I think <laughs> this Barbasol is so the it's not so foamy. It, I couldn't even imagine lathering your legs in this. It would probably take just like one Pure Silk's foamy too. Yeah. Pure Silk's foamy too? Huh. Michael knows a lot about Pure Silk shaving cream. I've used it. Does Megan, <laughs> does Megan use Pure Silk? Yep. Good. Good. Look at that. That's awesome. You know who um, probably does use Pure Silk? Who? Hugh Jackson to shave his head. <laughs> I bet he does because he's such a little pussy. <laughs> Sorry, that was aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark definitely has the strongest negative opinions of the Cleveland Browns head coach. If you haven't, if you haven't felt it, it was about three weeks ago. He just completely flipped, and he's anti Hugh Jackson everything. Yeah, I think if you go back to the first podcast, I say Hugh, the, Hugh I, Jackson broke Mark at yeah. some point during the season. The first podcast, I say like the only way we lose this season is if we fire our general Sashi and Hugh Jackson, and now that's exactly what I'm gunning for. So well, I guess we lost. because we already fired Sashi, yeah, we would have exactly. never. We might as well restart that, since we were at this yeah, point. Exactly. Um, but anyway, what Sashi got us was the Texans pick. That worst case scenario is number six overall in the draft. The Texans season has looked awful. They are on like their fourth string quarterback, maybe looking for a fifth because they had two concussions in that last game. Matthew, did you watch that game? Uh, yeah, I watched I watch, uh, a lot of the highlights of that game. Um, it was bad. I mean, TJ Yates isn't good, and so he got knocked out with a concussion or a, um, a suspected concussion, had to go in the concussion protocol and in the little fancy blue tent. Um, and he was there for like 30 minutes getting evaluated, doing the whole thing. And in the meantime, they bring in this, this no-name guy, Taylor Hineke, um, who I think That's went right. to Old Dominion. Um, and so he played and he was as expected, like just not prepared or capable of playing at an NFL level, like you would expect from somebody who you've never heard of. Um, and he gets knocked out with a concussion just in time for TJ Yates to be cleared, to come back to play the rest of the game. That's convenient. What if TJ Yates is not ready to play? And well, he doesn't get cleared on concussion. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. Yeah. TGA sucks. Heineke sucks. Whoever they bring off the streets sucks. They're playing in Indy. 
I, I think it's amazing. So we have talked about how terrible our luck has been on the field as yeah. a Cleveland Browns football team. How amazing has our luck been with, with regards Houston. to this Houston Texans pick? Like, True. And if we were going to pick one thing to be lucky in, I think that's what we would pick. Is to for, be, for one single yeah, isolated I, season, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think I would prefer for all hell to break loose on the uh, Houston Texans season, which is exactly what's happened. I mean, we started looking at this four or five weeks ago. And we're like, oh, what if the Texans would lose out? And so far they have. Yeah. They've lost every single game, and they're looking at this. Our Super Bowl is next week. But, I mean, they are going to Indy to play the Colts. Both teams stink. In fact, the Colts probably don't want to win the game because they're fighting out with the Giants for the second pick. And if they would lose and the Giants would happen to win, they'd have a chance at the number two pick. But either way, uh, somebody's going to win this game, and it's in Indy, and there is no um, quarterback to speak of um, gonna be, that's going to be under center for the Texans. So um, our luck on that front has been beyond anything I could have imagined. Yeah, after week six when we played the Texans, they were 3-3 three and three and looking good. Right. If you told me at that point that this pick is going to land at four, five, or six, mm-hmm. I would have said that you're crazy because there's no chance. And obviously, um, soon thereafter, Deshaun Watson tours ACL, which is unfortunate, um, and the other scrubs that they've run out there at quarterback just are probably worse than what the Browns have put out there. Uh, another example of how the Browns have been very unlucky playing the Texans before, before Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Watson tears ACL. Yes. <laughs> Just yeah. can't catch a break. But but let's seriously let's focus on the positives. We have been very lucky in that pick, and we have their first and second round pick, which got Bill Polian just blasted Sashi Brown for making that trade for um, Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. And now look at that. Like it's the it's the fourth pick in the second round. Like that's a fantastic trade. We sold it. He's off our hands. Like yeah, we have four. We're gonna have four picks in the first thirty six. Yeah, in this draft. That's not exactly true because it flip flops in the tie second round. And they're uh, but it's pretty much true. Pretty much true. Like top forty. Because for all the teams that they're That'll tied still with, be incredible. They, like yeah. w- we pick once every ten times, basically. Which is just amazing. Yeah. And imagine you're the Texans. You just had the worst season in the last of your team in the last six remember, or seven years. And yep. you don't have a first or second round pick. I would feel Nothing in my soul. So if I was a Texans fan. That would be awful. Um, but so we we have that first pick. Odds are we pick a quarterback. Whoever our quarter, favorite quarterback is, Rosen, um, Mayfield, whoever it is, we'll find out. Um, but then that number two pick, four to six range, somewhere in there. Who do you guys think is the most important person to target? Oh, I mean, in my mind, it's an absolute no-brainer. Like, the best player probably in the entire draft, in my opinion, from what I've seen early on and talking to some of these guys, even going back to our conversation with Dane Brugler, like, in the middle of the season, was Minka Fitzpatrick is the best player overall in this draft. And if you look at the way this shakes out, if we would be so fortunate to get the fourth pick, in front of us would be the Giants and the Colts. The Giants are in the same boat as us needing a quarterback, so I don't see any way they don't take a quarterback up there at the top of the draft. So two quarterbacks are off the board. Then it's only Indy between before our pick. And Indy already has a wealth of young secondary players. So it'd be pretty duplicative. Is that duplicative? Du- duplicative? Duplicative? Yeah, Did I get that right? 
Okay, thanks, guys. Well, you didn't get it right. Matthew did. <laughs> Duplicative. Duplicative. Um, if they would take a free safety, because they took Malik Hooker at number 15 or whatever it was last year. Yep. And so – and they got a corner. So, like, Minka Fitzpatrick can play free safety or corner. He's kind of a Jalen Ramsey-type talent as far as, like, the places he can play on the field. And – Every indication is that he is as much of a competitor as anyone has ever seen on the football field. Did you guys see this article on ESPN talking about how much Nick Saban loves Minka Fitzpatrick? I've heard. I, I heard whenever Brugler came on the pod, he was saying that Nick would talk about Minka like so highly that he's a student of the game, that he was crazy, that everything that he wanted to do was so on board with the program. But. Yeah, apparently the rest of the players on the team joke about Minka being Nick Saban's son. <laughs> <laughs> and so evidently, I guess when you come on campus for the first time as a freshman at Alabama, they do like a personality test like you yeah. might do if you got like a new job or something. So the coaches can know how to like, you know, cater how to, to you, you and coach yeah. you and like yeah. how, what, what you respond to and that sort of thing. What makes you tick. Mink, yeah. Of the whole time that they've been in Alabama, Minka Fitzpatrick is the closest to Nick Saban's personality of any player that has ever come through there. <laughs> that's incredible. Okay, so that tells you, I don't, I don't that know, tells you enough right there. I don't know there. if that's reflective of success in the NFL. But like the mindset. But sure. But the mindset of like how like. I'm going to do what it takes to yeah, win. And whatever gonna... it takes, Bulldog, like you, nothing is gonna get in your way and so i love that right but then you read the rest of this article and it talks about how they're like blowing out some team at the end of last season and they were up by like 40 points and minka fitzpatrick is on the sideline beside himself like beating himself up and people are coming over like what's wrong like is what's going on and apparently he had missed the coverage. The ball didn't even go his way, but he missed the coverage, and he was pissed at himself because he should not have made that mistake. Like, he's just a, one of those guys that demands perfection in, like, everything that he does. And for a team like the Browns that have just been, like, suffering from losing season after losing season after losing season, like, you need talent for sure, but a lot of it is mindset. And if you can get a talented player like that on your defense that is going to bring everyone up to their level, like, I want that. Plus, it is the one position we need more than more than anything else but quarterback. Right. I mean, we need that free safety secondary playmaker um, I, I on love, the backside. I love everything you just said. I love the sound of it. He sounds emotionally unstable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's no, a crazy it, way to be, but like I want that crazy person on my football team. But I, I no, wish it'll be best. an interesting experiment to see if the Browns can break Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's gonna win, Minka Fitzpatrick's like ridiculous personality, yeah. or the Browns' ineptitude the, that creeps in, um, and the like attitude of losing, the unstoppable force of the immovable object. <laughs> Unbelievable. So there's no doubt in my mind, dream scenario is whatever quarterback we deem worthy of number one and then Minka in our next pick. Yeah, and who else is there? I mean, there's Bradley Chubb, who might be available, the stud DN, who everybody loves. I mean, I don't think that's a need for us because when Ogba's healthy and Garrett's healthy, we're pretty stacked at the Mm -hmm. starting positions. But, But I mean, you can never have too many many. pass rushers. You get that. I mean, you get in third down situations, Garrett slides inside. You've got Ogba. And Chubb coming off the outside, like, terrifying. Yeah. Um, we get an offensive tackle maybe if 
if Thomas retires, I don't think there's anybody that anyone thinks highly enough that you would take above a talent like Chubb or Mika yeah. Fitzpatrick. All right, but you know what pisses me off with people that know that I'm a Browns fan walk up to me and they say, "Oh yeah, can't wait for those Browns this year." You know, you're going to get uh, that quarterback, and then honestly, at number one, you should think about taking Saquon Barkley. That guy's really good. That guy's really, really good. Like he is, but no. I mean, so let's just say that for some reason we couldn't get Fitzpatrick. Maybe the Colts take him, or maybe we the Texans win this week and we're picking at six, and so he's gone. Um, if that would happen, I don't know that I hate the idea of taking the top-level running back, Saquon Barkley, there. Like, we could do worse. Like, you know what you're getting. Um, I don't think it would be my first choice, but – I'd rather do that than take a chance on a tackle that we're not sure is going to be good. But well, we would we would definitely either have Chubb or at four we would either have Chubb or Minka. Most likely, I I can't imagine a scenario Unless where that's the Giants not the case. trade back or something like that. So let's talk about the Giants. They're in the new. They're going to be at the number two pick. Um, most likely. There's a chance Indy could get the number two pick if they lose and the Giants win. But most likely the number two pick. Um, it was reported that Josh Rosen this week um, has a preference of would prefer to play for the Giants, which, I mean, duh. <laughs> Why? Although, if you, I mean, although if you look at the rosters, is it really a duh? Like, yes, he's got Odell Beckham and some probably some decent Starling receivers. Shepherd. But he's got a terrible offensive line. Yeah, but you don't you, know what the coaching staff's going to look like. But he, all right, here's the thing: Would you rather like live I, in New York, playing for a franchise that's historically good and you believe will be good, with some pretty good, a good defense and some good offensive weapons, or would you rather live in Cleveland and play for Hugh Jackson and have no idea what the future holds? I'd rather play for Ben McAdoo than Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I believe in Ben McAdoo more than I. Well, Ben McAdoo's not even there anymore. No, I know. I know, but still, I'm just saying. Ben McAdoo's sad. I'm just saying how much I don't believe in Hugh Jackson. Oh, yeah, no, I think that the Giants are the clear choice. Like, every single quarterback coming out would rather play for the Giants. Like, it's it's exciting to be drafted by the Giants. Like, it's exciting to be drafted by the Packers or the Patriots. They're just one of those flagship organizations, and they this is one of the first seasons they've been real bad in a very long time. The Browns have been very bad for a very long time, and we've just destroyed quarterbacks. We've killed them. Uh, so... So it your makes po- perfect sense. Your point is, what could we get in a trade with the Giants if that? Well, if yeah. We get to that so, point? so if we're at number one and they're at number two, and Rosen through his agent decides that you know what, we're going to pull a Eli Manning um, situation. It could be called a John Elway situation too. Uh, what is the potential gain for the Browns? Should we just pass on Rosen and let him fall to the Giants at two, or should we? take Rosen and negotiate a trade to send him to New York. Obviously, it's all predicated on New York actually wanting to draft Rosen. Yeah, but I think Josh Rosen has, like, the most upside of a quarterback that's, like, right there the early. Like, I could see New York wanting to draft Josh Rosen. But, yeah, it, it totally is. Um, what did that look like whenever – because didn't the Chargers and the Giants just do a straight-up swap? Um, um, trying the, to look that up right now, actually. The Giants um, – Eli Manning was drafted at number one. By the Chargers. Yep. Phillip Rivers was drafted at number four yep. by the New York Giants, and they were swapped. But I forget what the draft compensation was from the Giants to the Chargers. 
If I remember, it was. I, I mean, it. it was not I huge, it. I but it was. So that was a 2004 draft. The Giants received Eli Manning, obviously, and then in return they gave up their third round pick that year, and then they gave up next year's first and next year's fifth. Whoa. Yeah. Pretty huge. Yeah. So we're not talking anywhere thing in that category, but say you, you could got get you could get a next year's first for for one one slot one slot and switching Arnold or Rosen for whoever, whoever the Giants other. draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't trust our ability to draft QB, so why don't we just get whoever someone else drafted and get an extra first round pick like? I, that would be great. I love getting extra first round picks. I mean, I I just don't think the Giants would. That seems. I think steep. they would play hardball. That seems steep. And not want to give it that first round pick. But hey, if it's they, the same situation though that the Chargers were in. The other, like, why is it any different? Because they were at four, and it, it, it's one slot here. What did what did we give up to move up one slot for Trent Richardson? Too much. It was like a fifth and a seventh or something, wasn't it? No, it was more than that. It was like a third. Was it a third? If I remember right. But, like, even if it's that, even if we get a third from the Giants, like, next year. But here's the thing. Like, that's pretty good, right? No, that's pretty good, and I'd take it for one spot that if he's not going to play for us anyway. But that's only if he says, like, if he says, I'm not playing for the Browns. Like, I want to go to the Giants. Like, I really do think they would play hardball. Like, they would play hardball. Why would they not? Because we're not going to have a quarterback if we don't trade him away. So we have to. We have to work something out. I mean, I think the fact is he would play for the Browns. Like, right. you you can say all you want, but if you get drafted by the team and they're starting to pay you and you come in, like, you're not going to sit out. Like, he doesn't have the option like Elway did to go play baseball yeah. and, and hold that over somebody's head. Like, this is his option. We can contemplate the scenarios, but I agree with you. I don't think it's going to come down to this, to be perfectly honest, once he goes through the whole process. Because we're going to fire Hugh Jackson, and then Rosen will be fine with coming to the Browns. Might yeah. be the case. <laughs> let's hope that's the case. All right, but let's really talk about the dream scenario, um, and that is the scenario that Aaron Rodgers is coming to play <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns, so we're not going to have to draft a QB. We can get Minka and Saquon, and it'll be great. Um Earlier this week, or last week... Green, that team would be so stacked. Green Bay royally screwed up, and they put Aaron Rodgers on IR for no reason. And apparently there's some stipulation in the rules that says, if you do that, bring someone off of IR and then put them back on IR for not a sufficient reason, then instead of putting them on IR, they have to be released. So if they released in season Aaron Rodgers, we get to pick him up on waivers. Because, to be clear, because the Browns currently have waiver priority. Yeah. But this is ridiculous. Anybody who, like, has, like, <laughs> has, like, has two nickels that rub together in their head knows that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be on the waiver wire. The NFL would do everything within their power to keep that from happening. And I'm sure that a little tiny explanation, yeah, like, he, he twisted he, his ankle. Yeah. He hurt. He's, like, you know, he it. like yeah. pulled his groin or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you want to ask more questions about his groin? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, he hurt his groin. He really yeah. did. I mean, there's going to be an excuse. Yeah. There's no re- way. Or even he re injured his collarbone. Like, yeah. like, it's so easy. There's, it's such a stupid rule because you can't prove it. No, it it absolutely is a stupid rule. But let's let's hypothetically let's play this out. If, <laughs> and if, and the players who are coming off IR are always like good players that teams want to bring around. So like, there's never going to be a situation where 
like you're just like arbitrarily pulling people off IR and then putting them back on IR for a roster flexibility. So my question is, why is this the punishment though? If this is the rule, I mean, this is the first I'm hearing of this as the story comes up. But like, get your point is well taken that the players that are in this scenario are the good ones, but the rule is such that if you then kick them back onto IR without sufficient reasoning or an injury, then they need to be. You know, dropped and hit the waiver wire. I think it's got to be just a, a function of the collective bargaining agreement of the Players Association. I mean, from the Players Association standpoint, they don't want their players ba- getting bounced back and forth for non-existent injuries. Um, they would rather them hit the hit the open market. Now, whether that's even likely to happen, I mean, they'll they'll write thing, they'll negotiate things out that are unlikely to happen just in the case that they end up doing nevertheless the mark the wants fact to remains, dream through this scenario yeah i do but the fact remains that the packers they broke the rules right and when you break the rules there is a system in place and that should be carried out obviously it would be bad for the nfl it would be bad for the packers it would be bad for nfl fans it would be great for the browns and then we would have two top five picks and we could draft more talent around aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers has josh gordon Set the valve, of course. <laughs> Corey Coleman, David Njoku, and um, all the other weapons that we have. Duke, Duke Johnson. Duke, that's probably Duke the Johnson, only other weapon. Of course. Isaiah Crowell <laughs> leaves, but we have Duke Johnson. Um, how good is this team offensively? Do we make the Super Bowl? <laughs> is Hugh Jackson coaching the team? I think he gets undermined by Aaron Rodgers' huge man meat. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is way more of a man than Hugh. And the team would follow Aaron Rodgers, and they'd kick you to the side, and Aaron Rodgers would do whatever he wanted to do, and everyone would listen to him. He'd run the offense. He'd call the plays at the line of scrimmage. It wouldn't matter what he did. I think if Hugh Jackson's still coaching the team, I I don't think the team could make the Super Bowl. Agree. But, but I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes in and, like, we have just a replacement-level coaching staff, I I think that the team could make the Super Bowl. With with Aaron Rodgers and then our two first round picks coming in, like the talent that we have on offense, is we would need to stay far, healthy. Far far superior to than yeah. the talent that Green Bay has yeah. on their offense surrounding Aaron Rodgers. We would need to stay healthy. I mean, the offensive line would need to stay healthy, and the defensive secondary would need to stay healthy because we still wouldn't have depth there. But I don't I don't know that it's far 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 superior. You could make an argument that's a little bit better. I think the offensive line is better from top to bottom for the Browns, but. The skill position players like Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Devontae Randall Adams, Cobb. Randall Cobb, like they're way more proven than any of the Browns players are. Like I think you could make an argument that there's like a much higher ceiling for the Browns, but to say that they're way way better is you is throw, inaccurate. You throw Deshaun Kaiser on the Packers. How many wins do they have? I don't think you made people like squint and watch Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser play, and they look like about the same player. I don't think it's much different than Hunley playing. And they beat us. They won a couple games. They won like three games without Aaron Rodgers in the lineup. Devontae Adams beat us, yeah. which kind of bolsters yeah. my point. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. No, but... Uh, you can dream. No, I'm, I don't, I'm not dreaming about this actually happening, but I'm dreaming about the fact that all we need is one good quarterback and all of a sudden we're a good team. No, no, right. like we, we'd be a good like team. The, that's I don't... the only thing that we need to have happen. We get this pick right, and all of a sudden we're a good team. Like, it's not, and we fire Hugh Jackson, all of a sudden we're a good team. Like, 
there's just a few things that we have to do. Um, we're probably closer, than, which is funny, our record's further than it's ever been from success. But I think the team and the roster and the situation that the team's in has never been closer to success. Yeah, like the turnover differential is just if it's a different story next year. Yeah, like it's we're comical. What, we're what negative twenty yeah. five. If I it's zero next year, if like if zero, we just no 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 no, we were negative twenty five before this game. All right, we're at negative twenty eight. Nice. All right, negative twenty eight. But like that's a different. If it's at zero next year, what we have six yeah. wins for sure. Yeah. And that and zero like. You can be positive that on be, negative. Like that's that's that average. Be like the bar. Yeah. Like, um. Anyway, let's let's move on. I'm sick and tired of talking about the Browns. I'm done with this podcast, Michael. Let's do the lines. Oh, do you the, have the lines. lines. Do you have the lines there, right? We're almost done with this. I can't wait to be over. So, um, we giving probably, an insight into how Michael pods. He's like hardly paying attention this whole time. He's doing yeah. other things. What do you do in that closet normally? Who are you texting there? Uh, I was actually looking up the Eli Manning trade and all that stuff. Oh, all right. Um, but last week was kind of a non-event as far as the podcast uh, picking the lines goes. Basically, we all won two games and lost one. So Mark's still in the lead by two over me. Woo-hoo! And I am in the lead by four over Matthew. So Matthew's pretty much out of this little competition. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer. And we kind of had to arbitrarily pick the games that we're going to w- w- pick this week, basically because there's no Thursday night or uh, Sunday night game, which is what we would normally pick. So with that in mind, uh, we are going to pick the game that we all care about uh, the most, which is Houston at Indy. True. And Indy being at home, they're favored by four points heading into this game. And since this is really only a competition between me and Mark, and Mark's just picking with the coin, probably fair that i make my pick first sure right so that i'm not picking to gain an advantage against the yeah, coin i think so um i stated it earlier houston doesn't have a freaking quarterback and i don't see any way that you go in on a way game with a crappy quarterback situation and no desire to win like in week 17 i just don't see houston being able to pull this off they yeah so i'm going with indy all the way we hope so and I am going with Houston. Houston that's a bummer. Is, good for me. <laughs> Houston's going to win, and that's going to be a bummer for our draft pick. That's going to be a bummer for me winning this competition, and just a bummer all around. Uh, should we just forget about Matthew since he's out of the competition, not yeah. even ask I'll, him? I'll go quick. I'll go <laughs> quick. I've got, I got Indy. White noise. Doesn't matter. All right, next game is uh, we kind of just looked at the rest of the AFC and figured which games have playoff implications. Jacksonville and Tennessee. Tennessee has to win in order to get in. They're playing the Jags, who are already in the playoffs, which is kind of a miracle. And locked into the third seed. Yeah. Um, So Jacksonville at Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by six in this game, um, which seems like an interesting line to me. I would have thought it would have been a lot closer than that. So um, given that situation, I just – haven't seen enough from the Tennessee offense to think that they're going to be able to do much against Jacksonville. Now, maybe there's enough on tape after what Jimmy G did to the Jags that they'll be able to find a few things, but I'm still going to stick with the Jags. They've been consistent throughout the year, um, and I just don't believe in the Titans. Tennessee's favored by six. Right. That is strange. So Mark's going to pick Mark Tennessee. in the coin. Huge bummer. Tennessee. <laughs> uh fantastic man 
this coin is really not doing me justice this week. This is the last time I needed you. All right, and Matthew. I'm going to go to Jacksonville, try to make up some ground on Mark. <laughs> save no, a little no never mind, never mind. I'm going to Tennessee. I didn't have make up ground on Michael. I can finish yeah. second. True. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we're not really picking games. I will tell everyone that we are now, as the three of us collectively, have picked uh, more than 50% of them accurately. Um, yeah, so take us to Vegas. Over the course of a whole season, we'll come out barely on top. <laughs> <laughs> Pennies. <laughs> Pennies over breaking even. Which brings us to the final torturous game of the season. The Cleveland Browns heading to Pittsburgh for a meaningless game for the Steelers for the most part. If they win and the Patriots lose, I guess it matters. But um, I don't see the Patriots losing to um, – who are they playing against? The Jets. The Jets, yeah. yeah. Who's starting for the Jets this week? Uh, it's got to be Bryce Petty, right? Or did he get hurt? I've seen some Twitter action on Hackenberg? Uh, on Hackenberg, but I don't know oh. if that means he's playing or not. I don't. I I don't. I mean, know. if it's Hackenberg, then the Steelers should just rest all their starters because <laughs> there's no way gonna the Patriots are losing to Hackenberg. <laughs> it's gonna be a gift. That's um, actually interesting. So we talked about what if the Steelers are gonna play other people. Who the Jets start at quarterback could have an impact. Yeah. On what the Steelers do. Sure. Um, I would like to see Hackenberg. I hope it's Hackenberg. I might, I might incredible. switch over from the Browns game for yeah. a few, a few series. What are you talking about? You're watching the Texans game. Uh, it's gonna be a, it, it's gonna be the most exciting Sunday we've had in a while. It's our Super Bowl. <laughs> we've said it before. We'll say it again. That is the Super Bowl of the Brown season. Clear Texas my schedule. At Colts. Clear my schedule. I'm gonna be watching all kinds of stuff even after the game. Um, Pittsburgh's favored by 13 and a half in this game. <laughs> Even though they might not start yeah, uh, all their that's starters. In the, a Josh they might Dobbs be resting Pittsburgh team. Um, Josh Dobbs, James Conner, Eli Rogers. Which is just absolutely insane. I mean, that is so many points. Um, with that in mind, I, I the Browns do have something to play for. Like, no NFL player in their right mind is going to um, want to be remembered for playing on an 0-16 team. It's just... They they don't want to do it. They will show up, and Steelers are definitely better. There's no doubt about it. Nobody's going to argue it at this point. But I think the Browns can cover 13 and a half. Maybe they'll win. Who knows? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Michael might win this. Ah, oh, this is fantastic. Oh, man. I've been saying all year, uh, or at least for the past like eight or nine weeks, that this Week 17 game is the Browns' best chance to win against a Steelers team that isn't playing their, their top talent. Um, so I'm going to go with the Browns. All right. This could be the comeback of the century. My comeback was pretty amazing throughout this whole season, making the decision when I was in last place to start flipping a coin. It led me up to this point so far. I'm not going not gonna to go against it now. We will see. Well, guys, one more week. You can do it. This is a pep talk. One more week. One more game. The the thing is, is maybe we're the problem. We started this podcast, and we haven't won a game since we started this podcast. When will we get our first win? Hmm. We'll have to see. Preseason? Preseason next year? When the tie changes. Uh, This is a funny thing. We haven't brought this up. We went 4-0 in the preseason. Do you remember we went 4-0 in the preseason? (laughs) The, The... Lions, when they went 0-16, they went 4-0 in the preseason, too. Oh, my goodness. I was Which so optimistic when we went 4-0 in the preseason. Not, like, make the playoffs optimistic, but... We're going to be a watchable we're gonna, team. Yeah, we'll 
be in these games and we'll play. Because Kaiser know, played really good in the preseason, if you remember. It really shows you how much the preseason doesn't matter. Like, the Patriots <laughs> lose their preseason games all the time. Yeah. Like, but the well-coached teams, it doesn't matter because they're in the right frame of mind. Yeah. But Hugh Jackson coached the team to win in the preseason. Like, yeah. he very he, he stated that very clearly. And so they were – putting priorities on the wrong things is yeah, basically what was we, evidenced we by get, our preseason. We didn't get better as a team during the preseason. We just won four games and walked away. All right. That's it. We got a little pep top. If you guys can keep listening and keep thinking about the Browns, I'm really impressed by you. Um, thank you for listening to our podcast, as always. Um, send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Interact with us on there. We're always tweeting up-to-date Browns news and information, stats and figures, whatnot. Um, so give us a follow. Interact with us. Uh, thanks so much for listening, especially those uh, friends in Tokyo. You guys are the best. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thank mm-hmm. you.